Welcome to the Business Done Differently podcast, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And that standing out is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Today's guest has been known as the mayor of Johnson City, but he's actually not in politics, nor should he be. He is the operator of the Trek store in Johnson City, Tennessee, and has turned the city into a full-fledged biking community with taco trek rides, biking and egg rides, and even hosting a wedding at his store. He's delivered an extraordinary experience, and once I heard his story, I had him on the show. So please welcome Chad Wolf. Welcome to the show, my friend. Jesse, thank you so much for having me, my friend. Really appreciate being here. Now, I, I want to just let the listeners know this email I get from you. Actually, at 5.51 in the morning today, as we're recording this, this is directly from you as a reminder for the show you wrote back to me. I feel bad that this podcast will be so epic that it will make all other podcasts pointless. It will be so epic all other podcasts will need to be referred to as 2.0 from this point on. And most likely a nationwide moment of podcast silence will happen on this day every year, paying respect to the moment when the mic officially dropped as the limit to how epic a podcast could be had been reached, and generations of children read comics about what life was like back when businesses sucked and people did everything normally. Chad, that's a big expectation for the show, my friend. Uh, hey, you know, you got to set the bar somewhere, so why not go all the way to the top, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I've never got a response like that. You definitely got me fired up for this. And the first time we spoke a couple months ago, obviously, I've been back with Trek a few times. Love what you're doing, because you think about us, similar industries. Biking's been going on for a long time. Baseball's been going on since, I don't know, the, uh, the 1100s at this point. They're older, older sports people have been doing, but we have to think of them differently. And you're doing that, my friend, inspired by you. So love to just go back and share a little bit of your story, how you went from you're just a regular you know, person who liked biking. Now you're about creating a biking experience for everyone in Johnson City. So share your story a little bit with us. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Just sum up the last 20 years of my life in like five minutes, right? That's Less than for. that, Chad, please. <laughs> Less than that. We got time for you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the bicycle business is, is definitely unique. It's a specialty industry. We, you know, we sell a thing that people don't need. And I think that's why I've stuck with it for so long. It's like, you know, even when your lawnmower breaks, you're not really thrilled about buying another one. I'd rather just keep the one I had. It probably sucked for a little while, so there's a little bit of newness to it. Even a car, for that matter. It's kind of fun to get a new car, but I'd also rather just maybe not have a new payment and stick with the one I had. I'm, I'm replacing the necessities, and bikes aren't that. They're once. You know, it's whether it be for fitness or fun, your family's doing it, your friends are doing it. Like, what better industries to be in when you're truly just selling the once? Things people actually want instead of things they need. And I think that's what's kept me going in the bikes for so long. But you're right. We started, we're in Johnson City, Tennessee which other than a country song is about as far into the the mountains of Appalachia as you can possibly get. Uh, We split basically on the squiggles of East Tennessee, the border between North Carolina and Tennessee. So we are in the mountains. You can't get any more in the mountains than us. And when we first moved here, you know, we we had, we'll call it challenges. You know, the city was definitely on the up and coming just as much as the bicycle business was taking a shift. Road cycling will never go away, but that industry is starting to shrink as you know, texting, distracted driving is a real epidemic in the United States, and more and more people are attending to natural surface trails, whether it be bicycle paths or, of course, mountain biking. And again, we're in the mountains, so you're not going to find many places, you know, that are better for something like that. But our market really wasn't cycling. Like, we didn't, we didn't have the cycling culture here. What existed were people who were leaving this area, driving, ironically, an hour over the same mountain to another mountain to go have their outdoor experiences. So, like, you know, any good entrepreneur and extrovert, you know, the two things that really get you excited would be, you know, a challenge and a blank slate where you can make those challenges happen. So rather than claw away, I suppose, at the market share in existing markets, we kind of found Johnson City as this true blank slate. Simity was phenomenal for outdoor recreation. We hadn't been anything capitalized on it yet. So the challenge we had was getting people to ride bikes. And that's where we quite literally had to start thinking differently because just we are not currently the brand, well, Schwinn, (laughs) went out of business 19 times over the last 20 years, that's still the brand that when people say bicycles, like that's typically where they're going to come back to, even though that's not the same company we all grew up with nowadays. So becoming that brand was challenging, certainly in the Southeast. Trek kind of is the new kids. Uh, You know, we're a Midwestern company, so didn't really have the market share here. So we had to think outside of the box to try to get people to interact with us as socially and as authentically as humanly possible. And of course, we started, you know, with bicycle rides for sure. And that's been obviously, as you know, and I'm sure we'll talk, you know, extremely successful with us as we've continued over the last, you know, what, five years now that we've been here. 
So where are we now with you guys versus where you started? Because you started as an owner of a bike store, then you got involved in Trek. And what has the the traffic turned into? Because I think it's really, uh, you've turned the community into this community that's really loves. I mean, it's it, it wasn't, there was no cycling. It wasn't really a part of the community. Where are we now? Let's, let's, let's paint the picture and reverse engineer a little bit of what's happened to not only your store, but the community. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. And that's really something that we really are truly proud of, you know, other than making money. This is a business. That's not a bad word. You are supposed to make money in businesses. But more than that, now, you know, we have bicycle racks all through town, which seems easy. But I'm telling you, in a, in a town that was more or less boarded up warehouses <laughs> a handful of years ago, getting that type of infrastructure seems so simple, but it's not. That shows a belief that these types of outdoor recreation things is sexy now. Like it's sellable. Like people want to live in areas that have outdoor recreation and you can attest a lot of people can, like where you live has never mattered less. Now you can live anywhere on a laptop in an airport and do a billion dollar companies started yourself. So as communities start to understand what's sexy, what brings this generation of people in, it definitely focuses on outdoor racks. So now we have Tannery Knobs, which is a, a mountain bike park. That's actually not even a mile away from our store that was built on this completely worthless 100 acre bump, you know, right in the middle of the town, right off the interstate. We have uh, the Tweetsy Trail. I know we don't do very good with naming things in the South. <laughs> There's a Tweetsy Railroad. You can't hold this against that. But the yeah. Tweetsy Trail is also a bike path that's 10 and a half miles through, right cut through the Appalachian Mountains. It's beautiful. Connects two towns to one to the other. Uh, the city's now in a design phase to develop a, a city parcel of 1,100 acres called Buffalo Mountain, which needs, and this is more than just cycling too. Obviously, I think cycling is what we need to focus on more than anything. I think Bicycle Optimized has a real pitch that makes it marketable to where people not only visit, but call home. And of course, the Taco Trek now, we draw hundreds and hundreds of riders that come to this really iconic ride that we've developed, which just proves that people will ride bikes when given the opportunity. And with Buffalo Mountain, that project will put us on a map that doesn't even exist. And nearly 50% of the land here is national forest. So we know where we have to go, but we have to be able to kind of, I don't know, I guess have some skin in the game. Like Johnson City has to prove that people will participate in this type of thing, cycling, when given the opportunity. And the Tweetsie Trail started it, Tannery Knobs helped concrete it. The taco truck ride, you cannot deny hundreds of families riding their bikes through the middle of town. You can't naysay that, that it's a successful project. Mm. And we'll get to the taco truck. I think what's fascinating, Chad, it's like, get people, it's not just about your store. It's not just about the retail experience. You know, I think about what we're trying to do here with the bananas. You guys are trying to, you're making people fans of riding bikes because ride bikes have fun, feel good. Part of the Trek motto, getting people out. And it's not just, you aren't the hero. It's not just about your store. It's about the entire community. And I think a lot of companies say, oh, we're, you know, we're involved in the community. We do this. We do these donations. Well, how are you making it so your product, your experience gets out of just you and your store? Like example, like, are we getting more people to have fun playing baseball in our community? Are we doing more pop-up shows and funds where we go to a Little League ballpark and actually get kids to be a part of a uh, Savannah Bananas experience? And then, just like you're doing, you're getting more people riding bikes all over, which, again, helps the business. We had this in the initial, initial conversation. I think it's, it's such a different way of thinking. Not how can we sell more products, but how can we get more people to experience what we sell outside of our store? Yeah, nothing could be more accurate than that. As soon as we say cyclists, you just envision person clad in spandex, head to toe, weighing how many bananas they're going to eat to get the exact amount of wattage that they need for their ride. And they're going to ride until they puke. Like, like that's what we always go to the extreme. Yes. And, and as brands, we always advertise that. And we're just as bad as many, most Trek advertisements you'll see, and I'm not knocking our marketing department, but it is. It's a young guy chugging an energy drink of his choice and like launching off a house and skidding tires and that real extremity version of it and i would argue that's that's not at all first off what the industry is like most of mountain biking for example it's off-road cycling off-road walking right we call it hiking and that's an experience you're going to go with a family you can go by yourself you're going to get dirtier because you're walking off-road you're going to step over sticks but you're going to get to these really amazing overlooks and waterfalls and destinations that you put in play and you're probably not setting a time frame for this either like i'm going hiking today And that's the experience of it. I would argue mountain biking, for example, is the exact same experience. You're going to get dirtier. It'll be a little more physically exertive because you're going to climb steeper grades. And you're going to to take a lot of pictures of your bike leaning up against something. We love to take new people. We don't really know how far or fast we're going. We're not donning computers on those types of bikes. 
we're going mountain biking for the day and spending time with family and friends. Yeah. That's the experience of those types of things. And that's a story. Stories are the most effective way to get people excited about something. That's literally what the Savannah Bananas does for a living. And I, I think, honestly, it's Trek is something we could even do better because now we have, forgive me, I think it's 88 domestic stores throughout the United States that are Trek stores like this store, thousands of retailers who represent our brand extremely well. And all of those have the impact of telling their unique local story aside from just the brand story. And that's the picture. It has to be set in a tone that makes sense for those types of things. I love it. And I want to get into the stories. I just, I think it's so fascinating, Chad. Just take a step backwards. I mean, we weren't focused on traditional baseball fans. If we were focused on traditional baseball fans, we would have gone out of business, like a lot of other baseball teams who struggled. And you were saying, hey, if we want to sell more bikes, if we want to make more of an impact, we have to just make it easier, more fun, more accessible, and not focus on those diehard cyclists. And I think that's such a, a lesson that everyone can look at. Like, what yeah, business absolutely. are you in? What business are you really in? We're not in the baseball business, and you're not necessarily in the cycling business. I mean, how would you describe really the, the business and who you're trying to take care of? Because it's not just all the elite, elite cyclists. Yeah, it is. And the elite cyclists have to, they, they're grown. They don't just buy a $10,000 bike yes. and then buy it a million miles. It, it doesn't happen. They start somewhere. Yes. Look at the fitness industry, right? Uh, the joke of a treadmill it becomes how much, how many hangers can you hang from it, you know? Because it's, it's, it's getting that buy-in. It's that, that first hundred days, the, the first two days, the first second ride, and everybody goes out on a bicycle and they're going to, they bought it, they spent a lot of money on it, they're justifying their investment, and they're going to ride five miles. And it's going to hurt for four and their trail is probably not the right trail. They're probably gone too far. All the experience of it is not exactly what they had pictured in their head because their industry shows just that extremity of it. And that's what a disappointment is that. What a disservice we do if that's all that we cater to. So you're right. It's, it's not about the bikes. And Trek would kill me for saying that. It's always about the bikes. Of course it's about the bikes. But it's the experience of what you do with that bike. And in all the success we've had kind of from the advocacy reach here was always pitching that too. We never pitched bikes. Even to customers, we talk about what you want to do with it and how this thing can help you do those things. And, you know, that's, that's how you create fans, quite literally. I love it. So, yeah, let's go into creating fans. So let's share a little bit the story of where how Taco Trek started biking and how you and the company's mindset started thinking outside of the store. Instead of thinking outside the box, you thought outside of the store, which I, I think is a really good lesson. But just share briefly those stories, where it started, where it is now. You, you made some mention to it. And then I want to get into... Uh, kind of what's next and going from there. Yeah, well, the Taco Trek ride is is really, that's our baby. And uh, it started, honestly, out of necessity. I think as most good ideas do, we needed to sell bikes to people and we needed to get people to ride bikes. So we sat down with our team. That was a big step and, and truly wrote down, like, how would we get people to just believe in bikes? And it's similar to if you want to sell more tennis rackets, you should probably start with, you know, building tennis courts and then teach people how to play tennis. Someday, it's a long game. They will buy tennis rackets. <laughs> It took that approach with bicycles as well. And we said, we basically set out to create the 5K of bicycle worlds. You know, I always joke like 5Ks, like, I, unfortunately, I married into a family who does 5Ks on Thanksgiving morning. Some of us, unfortunately, have to deal with that. It's my only 5K of the year. But this year, I selected the dog category. Like, they are so social and fun. There's a dog category. Like, we walk the entire thing with our what dog. You, so there's literally a dog, like a dog walking part of the race. Absolutely. Could and, and, not. I mean, people are drinking Starbucks while they're walking. And so that, that's what you entered. That's what it was. That's what I entered. And that's the type of thing we were looking for. Something that truly is all-inclusive, still absolutely focused on fun. But we can do so much better than that. But the idea started to kind of spiral out of control that we could create an experience that was truly inclusive and break down the barriers of what a, I'm using air quotes here, you can't see, but a cyclist looks like. Because how many people run two miles a day, three miles a day, and they would never call themselves runners. They would be offended at the idea. Yeah. But the concept is they do it to stay in shape. I would argue they're more of a runner than most runners are at that point. But it's that disassociation between this is a hobby versus this is recreation versus this is something I do just to stay a healthy person. So we set out to set that kind of experience for bicycles. And we learned a lot of things along the way. You know, a lot of mistakes were made because we misinterpreted what the average cyclist could do. We would look at mileage, and that was one of the biggest hurdles because we would throw out a number of anything, and if you're not riding a bike, five miles sounds like a lot, as it should. That's a, that's a realistic distance, just like telling a runner you're going to run five miles or one mile, for that matter. I'm like, yeah, I can't do any of that. 
And honestly, almost by mistake, you know, we had referenced five miles specifically because we were trying to see what riders would want. We were, we were basically giving surveys to our customers or existing customers. What would you like to see in this social ride experiment that we were creating? And we said, would you ride 10 miles? And we got a resounding no. Would you ride seven miles? Resounding no. To the point where we thought we had made a horrible mistake of moving to Johnson City altogether. And we said, would you ride five miles? And we still were getting a resounding no. It was to the point where I was like, five miles? That only takes like 30 minutes. And they were like, well, I would do that. Well, like, no, 30 minutes is five. You know what? Let's run with that. So we, we had this massive cultural shift where we started to advertise the ride is a 30-minute ride, Yes, it changed everything. We, we found that that friction point that was keeping people from coming out and experiencing the fun aspect of it, and we absolutely ran with it. There's no question. So then it, all of the ideas started to come in. It's like, well, what would it look like when you were getting your, when you were signing up for the ride? You know, you, you need to get some kind of cool wristband, and, and we need to be high-fiving you and getting really excited about the ride. We need to encourage you to bring all your friends and family when they come to a ride. Because it's not just about you. We wanted to give out free rental bikes. So like, if you come to the ride, we'll rent you a bike for a dollar, which just all goes back into the event anyway. And what would it look like while you were waiting in line outside? What was there music and keeping people excited about it? And I mean, all these ideas, these simple, simple little ideas, very similar to what you guys do at the Savannah Bananas, really. And I understand why we connect so well. was all completely about the experience of the ride. And you know what the ride? I don't even know the real mileage, Jesse. It can't be. I don't even think it is five miles. I mean, it's... No one has ever mapped it. It takes about a half hour to get it done. And that's it. That's the whole thing. And, and so the ride, Jad, just so everyone knows. So everyone starts together and then it finishes at a taco restaurant. And, and they get, what do they get at the taco restaurant? Yeah, a place called Holy Taco, which is not even a block away from our store. So it effectively starts and ends here. And they get a, a free beer at the end of it for those over 21. And kids get their choice of soda or ice cream. Honestly, they usually get both. And that's it. That's the entire experience. It is a eight mile an hour ride. That was a big thing we learned too, because too fast, eight, I mean, that is as slow as you think it is. You will have to put your brakes on going downhill. But that is the terminal velocity of a kid on a 12-inch wheel. Like that is as fast as they're going to go. And that's our, that's what we're catering to. We want you to be able to truly be inclusive. And that means we're going to ride together because it's not fun when it's 400 people spread four miles apart. That's that's not fun anymore. That's not an inclusive ride. And that's the type, those are the types of things we worry about. It's also the appropriate speed to take a selfie on your bike in case you were curious. These are the types of things we worry about on the taco truck ride. So the first the first ride, how many people to where we are now and what's happened the, as far as costumes and everything, like the full picture here. I'm so thrilled that I thought to take a picture of the first one. I actually have that picture as if I had any idea where it was headed. There was 12 people. I was one of them. My wife was probably taking the picture, so we could probably cut it down less. But, you know, it was just this quirky thing we advertised and said, hey... We're going to ride social, you know, again, really no idea of how it was going to grow, but we thought we had a pretty darn good idea for it. And now, you know, we'll exceed the, the three and 400 rider mark every single time. And that's the first Tuesday of every month, April through October. I mean, that's a lot of rides. And and now it's it's grown into its, its whole other thing. I, I think most people would assume it's a city event, first off. Very clueless that it's a retail-specific event because it's so large. Uh, we close streets for it. There are police escorts that close the roads for it. People dress in costume. They get carried away with the costume. You know, we've had a real litmus test of capes and spokes do not play well together. <laughs> it's able to see where you can go and get a helmet on. So all of those things, you know, are, are part of what the Taco Truck and why it's so successful. I love it. And, and you know, one of my philosophies is share before you are ready. And last time when I was up in Madison, you were saying you're thinking of how you're going to take it to the next level this year. So I would love to know some of the ideas because it's gone from a little thing to now you know, it's big in Johnson City. People look forward to it. It's an experience. They get their free beer. They have fun. They do it. What are some ideas on how to uh, enhance it this year? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we took our biggest takeaway were the friction points. Like, and it's so funny to look at friction points as something that's already successful, but those are the most important ones because it's great that people are coming out now. How can we make it better? And I think one of the biggest things I actually took away from your ideas was, you know, if we had charged Let's go crazy. If it was $50 to do the taco truck ride, like what would we change? Uh, and we're never going to charge for it. That's part of the beauty of it is it, it is free. But, man, you start thinking completely differently that way. And now the waiting period is a huge friction point for it because it's hundreds of people crowded into the biggest park we have in town, but it's still really challenging for us. So this year we're talking with magicians and balloon animal, face painters, because the kids, of course, are a large portion of why we love the taco track. And mom and dad can only do events when I can bring Junior to it. He's going to have an awesome time. He's going to bring all of his friends. I don't have to worry about where we go afterwards. Like 
that's the, a big friction point for the whole thing. So making sure that that entire waiting period of getting all those people through the process is going to be huge for it. And then the post party as well, because once we get to Holy Taco, as you can imagine, it is chaos inside that poor restaurant. We have far exceeded their fire code years ago. So making that experience more fun. So now as you're waiting in line to get your free ice cream, same thing, interacting with the fans, just the same as you folks would. And, you know, giving that sense of ownership into it, where this is something they quite literally helped us build and being able to make sure that they're always reminded of how impactful that is for our business. I love it. Also, I think about music and you know, we brought in a mobile DJ, we put a DJ on wheels last year. We had a segue with the DJ with speakers plugged on and he was going around the ballpark. DJ yeah. Peels on wheels was his name. And I'm wondering, can you guys have your own like DJ Peels on wheels? Could you have a DJ on a bike that's leading the way? Could you have a band potentially in certain areas that makes it into more of this production? Because again, I don't know how much, it's probably lots of music in the end, maybe music in the beginning. And maybe people have their own music, but music adds a ton to the experience. I mean, how much more social is it when you're listening to music? And we, we stack speakers along the route on the riders themselves. But, yeah, that's not nearly as much fun. And, oh, my gosh, you're right. I think I'm writing it down. We're doing it. I think we need a lot <laughs> on the route, riding with us while we go. But that's the stuff. That's the quite literally you wouldn't believe moments, right? Because yes. we already get those. And that's what's so fun about events or businesses. Once you kind of hit that spark and you get people excited, it's intoxicated. You get excited. You get you know, more, what can we do more? What can we do better? And everybody wants to be on a winning team. And, and our, the fans, that's what we refer to them now as people who do the taco truck ride, buy bikes from us. Because again, it is a business at the end of the day. There doesn't need to be an ROI on these types of things. But, you know, when you love what you do, it's unavoidably obvious. And that's the best type of feedback you always get from the fans. And that ride generates fans. That's all there is to it. You said something a long time ago, your customers are transactional and fans are forever. And what, what an amazing way to look at the way we interact with our businesses and our customers, how we can actually get to that level. It's truly something to be really proud of. And our staff loves that stuff. I mean, it's high fives and smiles across the board. And that's not the type of thing you have to teach at that point. That It just makes sense. And they love it. They love everything about it. Yeah, I actually, I'm impressed, Chad, that you actually remember some of the things I said. This is this is very, uh, this is a big moment for me here, but. See, <laughs> look at all these things I take away. I know, I'm impressed, man. Uh, so, all right, I want to think about from a business standpoint, because again, a lot of people may be listening. All right, well, I can't just go on and do a race. I can't do an experience. And what is something that you think that you guys have done that any business can potentially take away and say, all right, We've built a following. We've built, and now again, yeah, I got to share before we go into that. So, share the story about the two people that met on the Taco Trek ride and what happened. <laughs> you bet. Absolutely. Yeah, we had two customers, you know, met throughout the Taco Trek because it is obviously a great date night, as it's probably, probably a lot of relationships have now come out of the Taco Trek because of that. I feel like we have to quantify that somehow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it is, it's, it is super so social, and these two customers. Uh, hit it off on, on the first taco truck ride, kept doing the taco truck ride. And of course, at some point, that becomes your thing because that's our thing. And it only makes sense then, you know, a couple years later, they were ready to get married and, and we did it here in the store. We cleared out the entire, everything, honestly, all of the product. Uh, we actually have some of the pictures because they look pretty great anyway. And we closed the store for an entire day. We advertised it to our customers not to come, but that we were having a wedding. And even the outpouring of support that we got from customers thinking just like that's, that's about as high in the fan database, I think, as you can probably get. And our building is beautiful, and you know we did it upright, and it was amazing. It was arguably, I have to think, the only wedding inside a bicycle store. Ever? That's pretty confident, <laughs> yeah, that we're probably on a very short list. You don't need an asterisk next to it. Just go with it. I mean, but think <laughs> about that. That's I, I think that's, when we first talked, that was like, that blew me away. I was circling it on my notes. I was like, literally got married at your store. That is percent you wouldn't believe, but it happened because of an experience that yeah. you provided. It didn't happen from the bike that you sold. It happened from the experience you provided. And I think that is the key. What is the experience you provide to bring people together so then therefore they can have these moments that they were willing to get married at your establishment? It is, Chad, I, I hope every single time you speak, you share that story. <laughs> I do. It's, I mean, it's one of the best stories that we have. And again, who doesn't relate to a great story about those types of things? But you nailed it with the idea that this is the longest of long games. Yes. And then that's something that's very difficult to get behind here when you are abundantly aware of what's in a checking account that goes along with those types of things. But, you know, it's the old exercise everyone's done where it's like, all right, remove all the obstacles, forget money. Let's just spend whatever it takes. What would you do to create this one of a kind 
unbelievable experience to it. And that's a great exercise. You can come up with all kinds of ridiculous things, like people jumping out of helicopters and personally delivering bikes and things. And that's the fun part of the exercise. But you start to, after the novelty wears off, if you will, you start to pick up these little snippets where it's like, man, we could do that, or, or we could do this better, or we could make that a thing. And it's putting you know, yourself in other people's shoes. Like, what would it take for you to get married in any business that you've ever gone to? And how would they have to treat you that way? And those are free ideas that everyone can think of. You can write them down on a list. You'll yeah. cross off most of them, because most of them make no sense. But you're going to get a couple snippets out of it. And I, I firmly believe that it doesn't matter what business you do. There are things you can take away from the bananas. There's things you can take away from the Trek store Johnson City that will work. The idea will work in any business. I, I believe it in my soul, Jesse. I love it. You know, we're getting way too serious. So we're going to have to mix it up with some games. But I love that, that question. What would it look like to get married at your business? What would the experience have to be for someone to want to get married at your business establishment? That is a powerful thing to think about because you now reimagine like, well, no, they're just coming in here for a transaction. They're coming in here to buy this. They're coming in. No. How do you make them feel that way? How do you bring people together? I think that is a uh, very big question, Chad. And so we're going to break up that big, deep, serious question into a ridiculous game. We're going to go into truth and dare. Are you ready? I am born ready for this. All right. Which one would you like first, truth or dare? Because it's truth and dare. Let's go. We'll start with truth. That seems like it's fair. Okay. All right. So I want to know a, uh, a silly, ridiculous, goofy thing, because I know this is you, that happened on some type of experience, something that didn't go as well, that maybe as a story that you share, it's like, well, that was pretty ridiculous, and that didn't work that well. Yeah, absolutely. It was, well, we can go back to a ride, uh, because we had so much success with the Taco Trek ride, like, we can do this on everything. So we invented a ride called Pedal to the Pints, which, God, it has a great ring to it. Like, it sounded like it was going to be perfect. The challenge was we were riding to nine different breweries. <laughs> and, of course, you can imagine, it got out of hand at the second brewery. <laughs> we had full-blown conversations with adults that, like, there is, this is, just, this is never, never going to happen. The attire became inappropriate really quickly. I was concerned what our insurance company was going to take. You know, it was just, it was too social, way too quick. And I think that's probably the, the, the most in-depth version of the story that I'm allowed to give over your podcast. So how many people did pedal to the pints? Too many. We had over 50 people that came. I'm sorry. Isn't it like DWI? Can't you like not ride? Or is there, what are the rules on that? For something we probably should have looked at ahead of time. There's no question there. <laughs> uh, it was the type of ride where afterwards, I mean, it was a great success. People had a great time, as you can imagine. You know, for people who got uh, engaged, you know, at, at Taco Treks, there were people who were probably had babies during the battle uh, <laughs> to the fights. But yeah, I got a nice call from the John City Police Department the next morning saying, you, you cannot do that again. It's not going to happen. And, you know, we had bikes parked all over town. Very excited, happy customers and fans at that point. But that was a, uh, a rude awakening that it is not a drinking contest to drink a pint at every single one of the locations. So we, we reeled it back in a little bit for sure. But I love there is a way to replicate. I mean, you did biking and eggs. You've done all these other different times. I mean, hey, how do you make rides fun for people that actually take them to something? And you're right. You know what's great? You had, I mean, date nights. I'm thinking about this like, yeah, it, back in my single days, it's like, all right, that'd be something different. That would be fun. It wouldn't be just going and sitting at a restaurant and you're providing something. So there are obviously a replicated model, but you can't do too many. You just have to find that right fit. So we're still on the truth and now we're going into the subject. But biking and eggs, is that one that's continual? Or are there any other ones that you're doing in addition to Taco Trek? Yeah, Biker Eggs is the, uh, the kind of the spin-off, if you will, and it was kind of targeting a different demographic because that the Taco Truck ride is great, but it is huge, and not everybody is, is necessarily on board with that. Plus, it's a Tuesday night. Taco Tuesday, I mean, everything about that made sense, but yes. school nights, all those types of things. So we started Biker Eggs, which is a Saturday morning ride, very different demographic there, still family-friendly. It's about 60 minutes, so it's about twice as long. Again, we don't really advertise the distance because we honestly have no idea, but we ride for about an hour. It's on the bike path, and it has uh, Bojangles, which is a, a spectacular Southern franchise. <laughs> so, what was that, Jesse? I'm, sorry. I'm guessing they're a sponsor. Yep. Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, and that was the same thing. You know, reaching out to other businesses, customers of ours. It's amazing the database of pool you have to pick from from your customers. But we found one that owns a bunch of Bojangles, and he said, "Hey, you guys do breakfast, you do biscuits. Let's do this thing." And Biking at Ace has been a great success as well. And it's funny that we call it our small ride. You know, we'll get hundred. Uh, 150 people on that one. It's still a massive turnout for what a group ride is. And still 100% social, 100% supported. You can show up on a rusty old Schwinn, you drag out of your grabs that morning and still have a really good time on it. The takeaways are very similar. I love it. Now, don't you think you can get, get away from the dare? Are you ready for the dare? 
Okay, let's do it. All right. Hey, you know, in the three presentations at Trek, there, there's dancing and there's singing. I can't see you dance, but I can definitely potentially see you sing. So we are doing a sing-off. This song may actually fit more with uh, uh, the pedal to the pints. So when the song finishes, you got to finish that song lyric and show. Uh, I know you, you've got the vocals for this. You ready? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Finish it when the song finishes. That's all I got. <laughs> you went very high, Chad. You went very high with that. I wasn't expecting that. You're going all in. I mean, what's the point? They got to get it up there. <laughs> no one knows anything other than that lyric. That is the end of the song. Sorry, That's it. No one else. So do you guys, is there singing involved in any of the rides that you have? Is there any yeah. sing-offs that you could guys get people doing? Well, it's, it's on our list. It really, really is. I think, you know, the whole getting ready to go and after part, like that's the backyard barbecue aspect of it that we, we know that we can do so much better with those types of things. And yeah, what great ideas and stuff like that. I mean, the, the in-between inning kind of aspect is exactly what we want to incorporate into what has already become a huge success. You make, you make it a party. Okay. Let's, let's talk about what's next. Uh, you know, again, you're bringing the experience out inside the store. I know this is a big focus, what Trek's focus on. I know you talk about you got the high five experience when people buy new bikes. Obviously, what are those things that, that have happened inside the store that's really, you know, people are always looking for ideas and ways to create a better experience. And what are things that you remember stand out or things that you're working towards right now? Yeah, the biggest one is the new bike day. You know, when people buy things, you know, their, their most expensive purchases in their life are a home a car, and honestly, could be a bicycle. I mean, there's only a few other things that are going to be at that level. Yes. So, it, but it doesn't have to be. But when people buy a bike, they're making a commitment to themselves or others. They're saying, I'm going to use this thing, and I have an idea in my head of what I'm going to do with it. So the worst thing we could possibly do is take their money and say, see it. And I hope you use this thing. Like, that's not setting anyone up for success. It's not making it special for effectively what could be the third largest purchase that they made. Yeah. So this new yeah. bike day, experience is something that we've always focused on here in Johnson City and I'm, and I'm so thrilled that now we're, we're kind of really I don't know, holding ourselves to a new standard as a, as a brand to make sure that those experiences are always met. So it's, it's, it started as simple as everybody gets a high five when they buy a bike, everybody gets a new bike day picture. It's, it's always so funny to me the amount of hugs that we get when people buy new bikes and of course the experience has to be great up until that point. But something as simple as loading their bike into their car, like when we sat down with our staff and, and really tried to find those friction points, you know, that was one of the biggest ones is how the heck you get the thing home. And we can offer delivery, and that's great, but we aren't going to deliver it to you every day. So we want to make sure that we walk you all the way up to the car, we get the bike in the car, we give you that last moment of high-fiving and hugs, and we get our picture taken. You know how many selfies that our staff gets tagged in on a regular basis of people who are taking our picture with them? outside at that last moment but it is that's your last chance to really set home that this has been an amazing experience and we actually care about you and then of course it's reaching out afterwards you know after people make those purchases we don't want to send you just some generic card that says you know thank you for buying it it's, you know you've got them it's printed in someone's signature i always love those things where it's like they they wrote their signature once and then it just gets photocopied ever since kind of thing but like you know how do we engage with those customers post-purchase from the literally the, the moment that a credit card swipes to the moment they get on their first ride, second ride, third ride. And again, it starts with, are we even creating an awesome experience to the door, past the door, getting into their vehicle? And it's changed our business. It's changed. That's, you know, a good story is something that no business can steal from you. They can try to create their own, but they can't have yours. That's your story. And that's the moment where our stories happen. Right then and there on the thank you for trusting me person I probably just met with a lot of your money for a thing that none of us have any idea on how you're going to use it. But damn it, we are excited about it. You're excited about it. Let's drive this thing home. I love it. You know, every single buying purchase should be a celebration. I don't care if you're at a grocery store or if you're at a convenience store, whether it's a high five, whether it's a picture, whether it's just a song clip that comes on and you celebrate, like even the littlest things, but especially a bike. And we think about this. That's why we send a video celebrating and a thank you call. But like, that opportunity of celebration, people aren't celebrated enough. And I think that's such a huge opportunity. And I, I, I think about that constantly with what you guys are doing. And I mean, it's people go home and they can say, oh, wow, you know, they really treated it like it was a big deal. Like um, District Bicycles, Ben from Trek, shared me them. They take the most ridiculous pictures 
district bicycles. I don't know if you've seen it, but literally, like, they'll have two guys with no shirts on from the staff behind them, or they'll have guys, like, hanging up on the wall, and they do these pictures of a person holding a bike, but ridiculous in the background. And people want to share that picture, like, it becomes popular. And it's like, make a picture fun, you know, make make it fun, make it exciting. And I was like, I, have you seen those guys yet? No, I haven't, but it's, it's on my, I'm going to check them out today. Yeah, no it's, it's, it's pretty cool. All right, I do want to get some more rapid-fire games, but I want to go one thing that I really, when I heard you speak at Trek and speaking in the group, I like felt like, oh, we are definitely brothers from another mother. When you talked about sharing your story, I think this is probably one of the best lessons that any business can learn. It doesn't matter where or who, find a way to share your story and, and, and talk about what you're doing and how it can be potentially relevant to them. So many people are afraid to jump on stages. I remember when I first started our Gastonia team, I spoke in front of 10 people, 12 people, a Rotary, a Kiwanis, you name it, just to try to talk about what we're doing, get people excited. You did the same thing, but it wasn't about Trek. And I think this is very important. Tell me about, just quickly, some of the groups that you were speaking and how your role as a leader is to share what you're doing. Uh, without a doubt, and you're right, the, the obvious, well, it literally kind of lets you get your, your presentation dialed in of what people get excited about and what they don't, because we're so heavily into one industry, all of us, whatever business we're in, it is hard to understand what relates it to the general public about it. If I just talked about how cool our bikes was, it really doesn't matter to a lot of people. So when we talked about those stories, we changed the story. Well, first, I would talk to anyone who would let me speak, period. Rotaries, Kwanises, advocacy groups. I once talked to a quilt club, which are called guilds, by the way, which is infinitely cooler than any other club. So, so how did you do this, Chad? I want to go back because, like, did you start reaching out? Like, how did how did this happen? Like, you were like, I'm going to start speaking to these groups. Like, did, how did it happen? Yeah, I mean, I literally, well, again, a lot of these groups are designed around getting people to, to present. So it started with that. And at the end of every single one of them, if I had done my job, people would smile and they would say, how can we help? And I never really had an answer for that other than, like, give me money. I don't know. I mean, that would be a great way to help. <laughs> I, know had, I didn't have any money either. I get it. So then I would ask, tell you what, tell someone else about what, what we talked about here today. And that's all I ever asked for. And eventually, as you would imagine, people started to call me and say, hey, the bike guy, the banana guy, how many times have you been called the banana guy? We would love to have him come here and talk about what bicycles can do. Because that was always our story was the result, the if you ride a bike, these things will happen. If you, when I uh, talked to a group of uh, home builders, and that presentation was different because they didn't really care about bikes, not that they're evil people, but they don't, that's not their thing, but they can certainly understand the idea that if you built trails that intersected the other trails on your development, that would increase the property value. It would bring in a specific clientele. If I talk to a group of uh, orthopedic surgeons about how mountain doctors get hurt all the time, those are things they can relate from, as simple as it is. And that's where you start to build that culture of what your actual story is. And then it's really not a problem getting speaking gigs, if you will, after that fact. For sure. Start with what's authentically making you different. Tell one person and ask them to tell someone else. That's how I did it. And that's that's obviously going to – and I always talk about that in past tense. It's not like I've stopped talking about these things. But obviously, during those first couple of years was – you know, that was our – that was our our true presentation on how we were going to sell bikes – was to prove to the world that we believe in bikes. We really do. And I think you should too. And here's why. And that was how it worked. You know, it's so bad. I'm thinking about now to like a restaurant. Who wants someone from a restaurant to go talk? Well, what if you talk about the healthy lifestyle and what type of food and how it can impact you? If you're a heating and cooling company, what if you talk about comfort and the comfort and sleeping and things that can make you, you know, have a a better lifestyle? Every company can find their things. And I was thinking, you know, obviously you've heard me speak three times now with and I talk about the bananas, but it's all about how it can guide for your company and what happens. And you know, there's people like, can we come to a bananas game? That's not the goal. That's never the goal. The goal is always actually try to help and share how they can help, but that's what it turns into. And I think what you probably noticed, I'm looking, how can this help the community? And then they're like, oh, we should get a bike from him. Yeah, because you got to make money at the end of the day. It is a business that is not a nonprofit. We aren't, and we need to make money. So, And that is not being a jerk by saying those types of things. Of course, that's your end goal. But it, it's it's that true long game actual buy-in is not the – like if I just got on stage in front of 100 people and told them about all the cool, amazing technology that our bikes had, <laughs> two people might get excited about Good it. Box. Maybe one of them would understand what I was talking about. But that's the – it's also the presentations most people are used to hearing. So you're right. I love the idea of like a heating and, and cooling. Like that's a that's a staple thing that people need. It's, it's dangerously a need, not a want. 
It is a want because no one wants to be uncomfortable, but like that just comes with your house. You expect it to work. And like when your internet goes down, you're nothing but frustrated when it finally shuts off. Very challenging industries to make sexy, but you're right. Totally different aspect of eliminating that type of barrier to where this is how we do things differently. This is how we treat customers differently. It's so sad that the customer level, the, the hospitality level is so freaking low in the United States that all you have to do is be better than that. Heaven forbid, be twice as good as that. And that's what we're looking for is those types of companies who give us something to believe in no matter what they do. And that's, of course, your return on investment. Because when those dollars get spent, they need to know that the bike guy and whatever shop that was that he said he's working at is the one that's going to get my money at the end of the day. I love it. So if we're kind of like looking at yours macro level, it's like first create an experience that's worth talking about. Then how can that actually help people? How can what you're doing help and then get on a stage and start sharing it. And I think every company can follow that blueprint. And I, I love that. And you made a comment about how there's not really good service these days. And I love this little segment. Now that's what I call service. I would love to know what's the best service experience that you've had recently or something that stood out for you. Matt, absolutely. Um, I think the, the biggest one, honestly, is a, it was a coffee shop. I mean, those are the ones that really hit home with you, right? It started with uh, it was a, it was a, just a Dunkin' Donuts even at that. So not like it had to be... It's a franchise, so you sadly set this level of expectation that it wasn't going to be anything extraordinary that day. And this is one of my favorite stories because it was one of the first interactions I actually had in Johnson City a long, long time ago. And I had walked into a, a Dunkin' Donuts in the South, and I don't, I don't talk like Southerners. I, I don't have the right accent, which is super obvious down here. I dropped my A's. But uh, I walked in there, and I, I ordered coffee. There's nothing more to it than that. And the woman noticed my accent and said, hey, you know, where are you from? This is small talk while she's making my coffee. And I said, well, you know, I'm from Chicago and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just visiting down here. And then it turned into a conversation where she said, oh, great. Well, you know, have you been here yet? Have you been there yet? She actually apologized for the weather being really bad that day. When I got done with the coffee, she said, well, next time you come to town, you definitely got to check this out. You got to check this out. But I mean, that was a level of hospitality at a Dunkin' Donuts getting coffee that completely blew me away to the point where I'm telling you about that type of an experience now. And the coolest part is that was an employee who did that. I don't, I'm not knocking Dunkin' Donuts. I'm not entirely sure that's built into their company culture, but that employee got it. And as you would imagine, uh, six months later when we started the business, I called and hired that employee. <laughs> Those are the types of things that are takeaways that, you know, when people get it. So I guess my biggest point to it is these amazing, like you wouldn't believe experiences sometimes come from the employees within and those are the ace in the hole that are going to be able to take your message. Because, you know, I, I talked at, at the guide camp with Trek with you about yes. how not everybody is this person. Not everybody can get on a stage in front of a group of people and get them excited about something. And that's the cold, hard facts that a lot of the people who might be thinking that way they aren't necessarily the person who can be in front of it. And that's just how it is. You, you need that Leslie Hope within your company who can get on stage and get people excited. And I think just identifying it may not always be you but someone in your organization has to be that person. And if not, you need to hire one. I love it. All right, different strokes, Chad. What's one view of business that you have that's different than most? Uh, I have this iconic brand theory, which is, I just put the word theory in it because it sounds really sexy when I say it that way. <laughs> sounds like something that should be a book. But I, I just believe that there's, there's three things that companies are known for, and it's, it's either products, hospitality, or a story to come full circle, right? The products, you know, that's the Harley Davidsons of the world where you, you make anything, people will buy it. And that's a really risky business because it can be stolen so easily by someone who's made a better product or your product becomes outdated. It's almost financially unrealistic to keep it that level. Hospitality, that would be the, uh, the Chick-fil-A's of the world where it's a bag of chicken. Everyone loves it. But I don't even know if it's the best chicken, but the hospitality that you get is incredible, which is what drives their business. That's dangerous because it takes generations to typically get to that level where you've had a great experience, you told me about it, I told five of my friends, and eventually you're known for great hospitality. It takes time, but then there's the story. The story would be, I don't even have a great, the Patagonias perhaps, where it's a company you believe in, what they do with your money after you buy it. But my favorite part of that idea is that the story part typically comes with the other two, something that has to be built that way. And, and again, Apple isn't a terrible version of this story because they make a revolutionary product. They dropped an iPhone in a land of Blackberries and the world lost its freaking mind. You go to an Apple store, you know what the expectation is going to be. The hospitality is going to be there. You're going to get in and out quickly. They're going to have the product in stock. And everyone knows Steve Jobs is a household name. If you have all three, that's the iconic brands that people study for generations to figure out how you've done it. 
But each aspect of it can be done because like small business is not an excuse to not be great. It is it that is an expectation to be better than the great businesses. So five employees, five million employees doesn't make any difference. Those standard kind of core valuables values, excuse me, are there. And I know it sounds ridiculous to be this little store in, in East Tennessee, but like we've always held ourselves to that level of expectation. And of course, we don't create the products. Thank goodness. Someone very smart in a lab coat builds those things for us, and they are best in class. I believe that. Hospitality, stories, that's 100% something that we can control internally. That means the Trek store of Johnson City will always have the best story, will always tell that great story, and always give that level of hospitality because we can do that. We can control it, and that doesn't matter if you're one out of an 8 million franchise. Your store has the ability to control those last two. And I think that's a very different way of approaching businesses because all small businesses look at it as in like, well, we're not big business. They always say that. What's small business Saturday? Like, when does small business become big business? Like, is there a line? Is it a dollar sign? Like, I don't know when it happens. And all small business wants to be big business. Yeah. That's the point of business, to get bigger. So when it's approached with the hospitality and the story, the two of the three versions of it, I just think, weirdly, I think that's a very different way of holding yourself accountable to these really high standards. I think it's powerful. I love it, Jad. I'm thinking like literally every company may start with a product, but they really don't figure out the hospitality until they have the product. And then once they get great hospitality, a lot of times then the story starts coming in like, wow, this is where they started. This is what they've done. This is what they're about. And I think it's almost in that order too. You know, you really can't start with the story because your story is nothing if you haven't really done, you don't have a product and you don't have hospitality. Yeah, find me a restaurant that doesn't have the story on the back of the menu or something like that. Those are bad ways of telling the story, by the way. But the story still exists. It's something you have to be proud about something. Otherwise, you can go buy a lot of things other places. And I, nothing will hit home more than a company where I'm going to buy something. Shop local is always a big thing. I, I believe in it. Everybody does. It's a great shift in American consumerism. But what it goes to is, like, I'm going to give that person my money because they're local. Wow. I love it. I love it. All right. Okay. But where does your money go after this? Yeah. What's that? Uh, it was just, you know, where does your money go after that? So you can give it to the local person, then what does the company do with it after that? If there's another company, what do they do with it? Yes. Like we, we want to believe in companies who all the way through are doing good things. And that's a story. 100%. 100%. All right, a few more rapid fire. We'll finish up, Chad, because I'm fascinated. You just, gave, you just gave some real fire right there. I love it. All right. So want to go with question time. If you want better answers in business, you got to ask better questions. What are some of the best questions you're asking? Best questions is what do you want to do with our customers? We, we literally ask them, we're going to do a group ride. What would you like to do? And our answers astounded us. They were always the opposite of what we thought they were. They didn't want 45 miles with somebody puking. They wanted to ride with their family. And that was the best question we ever asked. Just how would you like to ride? Mm, I like that. All right, tool time. What's the most important tool you have in your business toolbox? It's always data capture. It is. We can't act for people if we don't collect their data to begin with. Phones, emails, addresses, and, and beyond. It's not a creepy follow-up thing. We legitimately want to be able to interact with you and data capture something. As businesses, you just have to get over it. It's the most important thing you have. Awesome. All right. Some favorites here. Favorite part of your morning routine? Oh, favorite part of my morning routine is riding my bike. I know it sounds so cheesy, but it's a big deal. We got a dog, trail dog. Everything about that is awesome, and it makes me feel like the day is going to be awesome every single time. I love it. Riding a bike. Favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? Ironically, it's back to the bike. Riding a bike, you man, you live your brand. I love. I mean, I go for runs in the morning and stuff, but you live your brand, man. I'm, a, I'm so every day you'll do a bike and a ride in the morning, a ride in the evening. Yeah, but you know what? True to the form of, of everything that we talked about up to this point is it's not the eight million ride where I go out and ride to a few. A lot of times it's riding with my dog in the morning. We take a lot of pictures to go as far as we feel like going. At night, I love to ride with other customers and friends and family. We might ride to the donut shop. It's just being on the bike is the part that I love. And again, I, we believe this stuff. We really do. And if there's one way to put your money where your mouth is, to actually do it. Yeah, you got to love it. I love it. All right, favorite book that stands out for you? Well, I mean, your book, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think you're the only one to go that route out of over 100 episodes. So, all right, now for the real answer. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to shy away from it. It really is. Those are the types of things. When you connect with people's businesses, there's real buy-in that you're looking for out of it. You can read about companies that don't relate to your business, and, and you get great ideas out of it. But it is big picture, big glass. It, it's just hard to really wrap your brain around. So I'm, I'm completely serious. Your company is very similar to my company in a lot of, well, very different ways. But we both engage in customers. That, that's, our, that's our true focus at that point is creating these level of fans. So it really is one of my favorite books because I can relate to it. And I can truly pick apart parts that actually make an impact on my business immediately. 
And those types of results are impossible to argue with. So I stick with my first answer. This is amazing. All right. Like, so they will do uh, the PayPal uh, transfer in a little bit. This is amazing. All right. All right. Final, final two here, Chad. <laughs> What's one thing you've done to stand out in business or in life? Oh, my gosh. Just one. It was making sure that we're always telling our story. It sounds simple, but it's not. Every time I talk, it's a real talk, and it's authentic, and it's scripted in some cases because I have to have some details that I want to get across, but letting the conversation organically develop off of the feedback of the people we're talking to, and that doesn't matter if it's a politician who I'm asking for millions of dollars to build a new trail, or if we're talking to brands, things that we want to carry and what we think they can offer to us, the authentic version of that story. I love it. I've always said like it's powerful to be a story maker and then a storyteller, and I think you're doing both of those really, really well. Final one here, Chad. How do you want to be remembered? Oh, man. I want to be remembered. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from that. I think a lot of people go through life, very very big picture now. It's like, um, I'm just going to do really good things. It's like, no, I want to change. I want to shift the culture of Johnson City, which I, I really do think we started to get that way, to be a, a bicycling-focused world, but a better place. And that's what I've always loved about our industry is we have an actual impact of impacting our communities through bicycles. And that is, I want to be able to be remembered by being able to do those types of things to, to make Johnson City better because, you know, the Trek store in Johnson City had that impact. I mean, who doesn't want to have those types of legacies to leave behind? 100%. I'll tell you, man, I have absolutely loved getting to know you and you know, here are some of the fun. We, we went a little we went a little deep today, but I mean, the impact that you're making, the fun that you're having, like I am fired up. Like I got to get to a taco trek ride and jump in my, be in the yellow tux, but maybe have some music going, throw in a party because you're doing some cool things. And I think, Chad, there's so many lessons that we can learn from here about telling the story, sharing your story. But again, just believe in what you're about. And I think you are so true to your brand and you believe in it. And uh, Trek's lucky to have you, and uh, I'm lucky to have you on the show today. So I appreciate you very much. And where can people find out more if they want to hear more of your story? Yeah, well, uh, thank you again, Jesse. We really love everything you guys are doing. And uh, yeah, you can visit us, trekbikes.com slash Johnson City. Obviously, Facebook, Instagram, anything you could possibly imagine. Three I've never even heard of before. So we are easy to keep up with and keep tabs on, and we'd love to have you in Johnson City anytime. Excellent. Thanks so much, Jeff. You bet, Jesse. Take care. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite, and that standing out is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered on this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.